0: You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Boy, have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. Well, a uh, hearty welcome to all the newest Green Bay Packer owners. Um, The title doesn't mean much, but it seems to annoy every non-Packer fan, so I'm going to say it. There was a... a, I'm not going to lie. There's a slight sadness that I didn't get it. And um, I will say, I think if I was, you know not married with kids. I probably would have just done it. But I don't want to have to go to my wife and be like, hey, can we drop 300 bucks on a um, certificate that says I own the Packers? I don't know. She might have been cool about it. That's a lot of money, though. I mean, that's that's a lot. And so I kind of just settled on, it's a little, little ridiculous for me and my situation to be doing that. But as I watched this door slowly close and realize that there may not be other opportunities, it's a little bit sad. Because I remember last time after it happened thinking, I might never get a chance, like, again. And it was very sad, and I'm sort of feeling sad again. But it's fine. I guess I'll just have to find a way to survive with one of the largest Green Bay Packers podcasts in the world. It's fine. I phrase it how I want to phrase it. All right, I'm grieving. Leave me alone. A.J. Dillon literally got the key to, to Door County. That's crazy. 54 seconds ago. I really thought that was something that was going to take like a really long time if it ever happened. Apparently, that's uh, that's not true. So that's cool. Anyways, I, I do want to start there. And maybe it's something that's been talked about ad nauseum and everybody's tired of hearing about it. But I, you know how I get when people say stuff that doesn't make any sense. I cannot let it go. And it's going to drive me nuts. And so I got to talk about it. And I probably already have a bunch of times, but I don't care. I talk about a lot of things a lot of times. It's a daily podcast. I forget what I've talked about, all right? But the 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 complaints are so straw man-y, it's really ridiculous. It would be like if I went out and got like a replica gun of, um, I don't know, one of the, the the tombstone battle or something. Like this is one of the guns. And it's a replica. And it's not even like, you can't even shoot it. It's It's fake, fake. And somebody's like, you know that's not the real gun. I know, I bought a replica. It doesn't even shoot bullets. I, I, I don't want to shoot it. I understand, it's a replica. I'm going to put it on my desk because it looks cool. Like I got a little case that I'm going to put it in and it's going to sit there. You're so stupid you think that's the real gun. No, I. <laughs> I, listen to me. I know this is not the real gun. I don't think that I bought the real gun. Nobody told me this is the real gun. I never said it was the real gun. Nobody believes this is the real gun. Why do you keep saying that? I just hate that we live in a world like this. I really do. And I I, I know this is a slight overreaction, but the fact that this applies to everything, every single, every Twitter argument I've ever been in, or any argument anywhere, goes exactly like this. It's like you're, you, you have to know you're not making any sense. You have to know you're just lying through your teeth. It's like you have this caricature of what Packer fans are, and you're so blinded with ridiculous apparent hate or disdain for Packer fans that you actually believe Packer fans are. First of all, the idea that hundreds of thousands of people would line up to buy this, but only Packer fans are so stupid as, that they would do this. And and no other fan base would do this. Your fan base wouldn't be lined up around the block. The idea that there is such a, that big of a massive difference between the Herculean intellect of a, for example, Vikings fan and just the absolute drool-on-yourself idiocy of Packer fans because they believe they're going to make a profit, which literally nobody has ever said. I have never heard in my entire life A Green Bay Packers fan talk about making a profit. Never. That has never come up. But yet every single time you see this, that's what people say. Trying to sound smart. Yeah, they're buying a stock that doesn't appreciate in value. (laughs) You know, you don't actually get to make decisions, right? How many people? Let's just assume there are some people that believe that this is a stock that has some kind of monetary value that goes up over time. And there are some people that believe that this gives them some power. You know, there's going to be somebody at the owner's meeting saying, hey, I'm an owner. I have the right to say something or another. Just like there's people that say, you know, like those obnoxious people in school who would, you know, interrupt the teacher and say, oh, excuse me. What about freedom of speech? You're an idiot. And I'm going to smack you in the mouth. Shut up. That's not how that works. That's not how any of this works. It's not a law, it's a rule, you absolute idiot. So let's just assume there are a couple people that that think that this gives them some form of authority or that um, they're going to make some money. Give me a percentage, how many? Do you think it's even one in a thousand? I would bet it's not. I would bet it's not one in a thousand. And so if we're gonna be absolutely honest about this in terms of why people are actually buying this, and I went ahead and did a Twitter poll because I already knew the answer to the question, but I figured I'd do it anyways. Unfortunately, some people wanted to joke around and, and select some of the options that were not meant to be selected. But I said, just curious if I'm missing something or if people on the internet are just stupid. Let's see. For those that have, are planning to own, or would even like to own Packer stock, why do you want or have it? 55% said they did it to support the team. They gave $300 to the Packers to support the team. 33% one third, said, I want rare memorabilia. And most people in the comments said... I would have selected both the first two if I could. After that, I said to make money, 1.4%, and 10% said to run the team. Obviously, that was a joke, but whatever. The the, the point is, assuming, let's just say, a handful of people actually meant that, it's very obvious that everybody understands what this is. And the, the Mike Florios of the world don't want to actually engage in reality. They simply want to find any reason they can to call Packers fans stupid. And that's kind of absurd. There's no other excuse for why he or anybody else that keeps saying these things would do these things unless it's just to find a reason to call Packer fans stupid. The crazy thing is, though, when you mischaracterize why people are stupid so that you can call them stupid when in fact they're not stupid, you are the one being stupid. All right? If I just randomly went up to you and I was like... You're so stupid because you think 2 plus 2 equals 10. Are you stupid? No. Am I a little bit dumb, though? Because I believe that to be true and I'm wrong? Yeah. Because what he's doing, and he's doing it on purpose. He's he's purposely, I say he because I'm primarily talking about Florio, but he's just kind of the punching bag for all the idiots that keep saying this stuff. They either are not smart enough to recognize what this actually is, i.e. they're stupid, or are at least pretending to be so stupid so that they can excuse themselves for being hateful, which is an incredible thing. Either way, it's incredible. That you're either that dumb, which again, there's no way all these people are actually that dumb. But the fact is, it's 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 crazy to me that people will go out of their way to go online to put up this facade of, hey everybody, I'm just just so you know, I'm a complete idiot and I don't understand how any of this works. But now that I've established that I'm an idiot and I don't know how any of this stuff works. I give myself full permission to call you guys stupid. It, it 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 my brain is so twisted in knots just trying to comprehend that why somebody would do that to prove you're an idiot, to try to prove somebody else being stupid even though you everybody knows it's not real. I just I don't get it. Everybody knows what this is. It's rare memorabilia. And it's so cool. I mean, part of the the only reason I feel so sad, it's weird because I don't care about anything. I don't care about jerseys. I don't care about any of that stuff. I don't want them. Like I'll take them if you give me one. I'm not, I'm not paying for one and I'm not knocking anybody that does. I'm just saying, I, I just, I don't have any interest in it. The reason this is so cool is because it's like a once in a lifetime thing. Like for example, I, I'm having heart palpitations thinking, what if the Packers go to the Super Bowl this year? And let's just say it's the last time in my lifetime they go back to the Super Bowl. I'm really thinking to myself, is there any way that I'm going to be able to save enough money and then convince my wife that I need to buy a plane ticket by myself and fly out to California. How am I going to how am I going to work that angle? But it's it's not you know you guys know I don't even like going to games and I don't really have any interest in going to California. Certainly not Inglewood, California, although I did spend a large portion of my day today on Google Maps looking at some of the the beaches and um, some of the, the the restaurants, a lot of ice cream places out there. I've noticed it's kind of surprised. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be. It's a, a beach, you know, but it was like every other place was a, a cafe or ice cream. But again, it's not that I want so desperately to go to a game. It's just it's the fact that this might be my only chance in my life. And and to be honest, I, I think about that stuff all the time too. Like if you ask me, do you want to go to Japan? Not really. But if you ask me, can you imagine that one day you're going to be, you know, know, done, essentially, right? There's going to be a time when you're not here anymore. Think about all the world that you've never seen. Like you're never in your life going to go to Asia, this massive part of the world. Massive. You've never set foot there. You've been on this planet for what? 70, 80, 90 years, you've never once set foot in Asia? You know how big Asia is? Am I the only one that has these weird like mental trip outs? South America, Africa, Europe, never been. I like barely dipped my toe into Canada twice. I went to Windsor twice, which is just, just across the border. And I've been to Jamaica on a cruise. I was there for a few hours, went to the casino, lost 50 bucks, huge aquarium. It was great. The Atlantis thing or whatever. Or Bahamas? Bahamas. Doesn't matter. Even even places in America. Like, there's 50 states. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because in my mind, I assume I'll go there someday. If you went to one state per year, I don't know if I have that much time. Granted, I've already been to a handful. But there's a lot of states. Like, I might die and have never been to Alaska. Or California in my life. That's crazy. Like, it, I don't know. I don't know. Point is, there's a lot of value in things when you know that you may never have this thing ever in your life. It's like an existential crisis is created. There's this brief window that says we're going to offer this super rare thing to to allow you to be a part of this super rare community that ties you into this very tight, very exclusive community of owners, which is something no other fan base in the world gets to be a part of. And by the end of, I don't know, a day, two, I don't know how long this this thing lasts, that window closes and you'll never, you may never be able to get it again. Maybe maybe they'll do it again. In my, maybe they'll do it 10 different times in my lifetime. I don't know. But it's the thought that I may have just let this pass and it's never going to come again that just is like, it creates such a profound value for me personally. And to see people online go, you know, you don't make money on this. <laughs> Dude, what, what planet are you on? What are you talking about? Nobody is doing it for that reason. That doesn't even make sense. Are you really saying you can't comprehend what this is? You really don't know what this is? Are you that close-minded and ignorant that you can't? I'm not saying understand it from a standpoint of I would want to do it. I'm saying just conceptualize what this actually physically is. You can't see it? And you're laughing at people for doing it and you can't even wrap your head around what this is. Yes, it it is physically just a piece of paper in the same sense that a jersey is technically just cloth, in a sense that your child is technically just a clump of cells. We can reduce everything down to its molecular properties to try to diminish its actual value if that's what we really want to do. The sun is just a ball of gas and earth is just a rock hurling around the sun. I mean, we can try to de-romanticize things, And dumb everything down to make it seem like it has no value but that's again that's just you making yourself look like an idiot do you really not know what this is or are you just pretending to be stupid so that you can call people stupid which again is the most moronic thing ever yes brilliant scientist it is true that despite the name stock it doesn't operate in the way that a lot of other stocks do Perhaps the word stock is kind of throwing you off a little bit. Perhaps it shouldn't be called stock. Maybe it should have a different name. But it's not Packer fans that are confused about what this actually is. It seems to be you. You seem to be stuck on the word stock. It seems to confuse you and confound you and just throw you into all kinds of weird loops. Like I've said before, maybe NFT would be more understandable to you. Because that's basically what we're dealing with. For For those that don't know, and I basically don't even know how this works, Essentially, people own things and sell stock in it. For example, I just I, I googled NFT here just to make sure that it was NFT and not some other letters because I f- was pretty sure it was NFT, but I wasn't positive. But one of the articles here says, Miramax sues Tarantino over planned Pulp Fiction NFTs. In other words, Quentin Tarantino is planning on selling stock of Pulp Fiction so that you can buy it and say that you are an owner of Pulp Fiction. Now, obviously, that doesn't actually mean anything. And, and technically, I do think NFTs can act more like stocks in terms of value going up and down. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know if there's like some NFT marketplace. I believe there is because they're talking about blockchain and stuff, which, again, we're getting way over my head or what is necessary for this podcast. But the point is, we're taking something and um, kind of selling off shares of it which again, doesn't really mean anything because it's not like you have any control over the, this thing. Quentin Tarantino or Miramax or whoever still owns the, the movie and they get to decide what happens with it and everything else. You do not. So maybe think of it as an NFT. Does that help or you get stuck on something else? And you know, a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of Packer fans and everything have kind of gotten hung up on the whole, don't worry about what other people spend their money on. I get that. And I think that's a generally a good rule. But I, I think even that isn't quite going deep enough. You can criticize people for doing stupid stuff. Maybe you shouldn't, and that's probably true, and, and the people saying that are probably better people than me because obviously on this podcast, I do plenty of that. If you put bumper stickers on your car, I kind of look down on you a little bit. There's a whole bunch of things people buy that I look at and go, that was stupid. Yeah, that was that was maybe stupid. Maybe you should not have done that. That truck was $65,000? Wow. How much money do you make? $65,000 a year? Wow. Okay. Yeah. um, I'm going to judge that a little bit. I'm going to kind of judge that a little bit. But here's the thing. If you're going to judge something, judge it properly. If you're a mother of five kids and you buy a minivan, and I criticize you for buying a minivan because it's terrible at hauling lumber, and you'd be better off with a pickup truck, that's essentially what people like Mike Florio are doing with Green Bay Packer fans buying stock. If you wanna take issue with a mother of five buying a minivan to haul kids around because you think that that's irrational or whatever, okay, have at it, I guess. Or take the you know more sensible approach of just mind your own business. But if you're gonna do it, fine, but you have to at least look at what reality is. Nobody's talking about hauling lumber. Nobody's hauling lumber. Sally, the soccer mom, is not hauling lumber. She doesn't need lumber, she doesn't want lumber. Lumber will not be in this vehicle. By the way, if it is, you can still put the seats down. It works quite well. But that's well beyond the point. You're having some weird argument with yourself, and, and it's also annoying because you see this cluster of people. And this is partly, probably part of the reason why some people do this thing where they pretend to be stupid, because other people pretend to be stupid too, and then they pretend that you're smart. And then you feel smart, even though all of you know that you're collectively being stupid. I know, right? Packer fans are so stupid. They think they can... We all get together and just, like, laugh and chuckle. It's just, it's this weird psychosis. Collective neurosis. I don't know. Anyways, again, that was just very much annoying me. The whole conversation was very much annoying me. You can have discussions about whether or not you think it's a good purchase. Why or why not you think that there's value or it's worth that or... um, you know, the merits of donating money to a, a business that has a lot of money, which even that I think is a little bit silly of an argument. But again, that's that's a whole different thing. And again, if you want to have those discussions, fine. But just understand what we're actually dealing with here. Florio is an attorney, which means he's either just really good at lying, which I know is part of the, the, the thing, right? It's not about necessarily what's real. It's about winning the case. But you would just think as an intelligent person, you know, I don't want to draw too many parallels about things that are happening right now, but there are certain times, let's just say you're a prosecutor trying to make a case for something in which there really is no case. It is your duty to make yourself look like an idiot and pretend you don't know what you're talking about. Say something very seriously that you know is not really true. It's your job. You got to do it. Florio, Florio has no compulsion to do this. He's not being forced to make himself look like an idiot. He's choosing to. It's crazy. It's just crazy to me. Anyways, um, shoot. supposed to be talking about PFF today. You guys are going to get mad at me if we don't, but we might not. No, I I guess we will. I got some other stuff I wanted to do. We can save that. I'm I'm just feeling very ranty, and I have other stuff I want to rant about. But We'll at least take a very uh, zoomed out look at it. But why don't we do this? Let's take a break. Come back. We'll see what PFF had to say about that previous game that we were in the one against Seattle and whatnot. If you could find it in your your heart of hearts to uh, support the podcast for as little as a buck a month, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is the place that you can do that. It'd be greatly, greatly appreciative if you could do that. i have got several milestones that I've set. The first one is 300 patrons, which I think is 23 away. I'm hoping to get there before December. I doubt that'll ever happen. In fact, my goal was 300 before the season started, and you can see how much progress we're making. But I also noticed Cheesehead TV is at like 650 patrons. So that is, um, well, I suppose the next goal would be 400, but it'd be pretty massive if I could pass them because that's a a pretty big organization over there. Dream big, man. Anyways, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. As well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys, let's look broad strokes at that PFF game against the Seattle Seahawks. We are a couple days out, so some of this information you may have already heard, but um, kind of do what we usually do, which is just look at the guys who are really good and really bad. And the mediocre, we'll just leave alone because I'm not just going to read off a bunch of numbers for everybody. But I want to look at people that were below a 50. Technically, 50 is is bad or below average or whatever, but we'll ignore that. And just look at 40s or below. There were four guys in the 40s that uh, ranked 15th out of 18 with a 49 overall grade. It was Josiah DeGuara. Um, his pass blocking grade was actually quite positive, but his receiving grade was a 50 and his run blocking grade was a 49. So a 49.6 overall 16th overall was Tyler Davis who played 12 snaps again, pass blocking wasn't bad, but the receiving and run blocking was almost identical grades actually to Josiah 17th out of 18 was Aaron Rodgers. They gave him a 47 overall grade 44 passing grade, which is obviously the only thing that matters. They really did not like his performance. And at the very bottom was Mr. Alan Lazard, who I've been mentioning quite some time now. We really need a guy to step up, and uh, we just really haven't gotten it from him. According to PFF, he's had one good game this entire year. I know that that's somewhat standard, but even even by his standard, it's been a pretty bad year. In fact, this is the worst year of his four-year career. 2018, 62 overall grade. He went to a 69, then a 72. Right now, 57. It is a massive drop-off. I don't know what's going on. But he's, he's really, really falling off. Now, his pass blocking grade is as high as it's ever been. Uh, let me look at his run blocking because that's in a separate category. His run blocking has also fallen off completely, 72, 78, this year 52. So I don't know what the deal is with Alan Lazard, but um, he's just not doing what he's been doing in the past, just not at all. Not good enough. And this is one of his lowest graded games Um of this year, which is his lowest year of his career. On the flip side, uh, the guy's at the top and there's a pretty big jump. Our fifth highest graded player had a 62 overall grade. At fourth, we have Elton Jenkins with a 70. So we're talking about seven, seven 7.1 points higher. Elton Jenkins was the fourth highest graded. He had a 63 run block grade. So that's, you know, again, the run blocking is not good enough, but a nearly 90 pass blocking grade. Elton Jenkins doing the thing that matters most, 87.9 overall grade pass blocking. Um, that's pretty dominant. At number three, Billy Turner. Love to see it. He's very balanced in terms of uh, pass and run blocking. 72 overall grade, 71 pass blocking, 70 run blocking. I'm very, very happy, very, very content with that. In fact, let's take a look at Billy here. Um, that's back-to-back good games for Billy Turner. He His previous highest graded game was a 69.1 week one. The last two games, 74 and 72, and in fact, he's graded out in the 70s in pass blocking and run blocking in both of the last two games. So um, not very dominant guys off the edge in these games, but still, it doesn't really matter. Um, He's winning, and that's, that's valuable, and I love it. At number two is Royce Newman. A lot of people were kind of scratching their heads at how that's possible. We all saw at least one highlight of him getting burned. Um, but he did play 74 snaps, 43 pass blocking, 31 run blocking. So even if he had three really bad reps, it doesn't speak to the rest. I will defer unless anybody wants to go watch the tape themselves. I probably will not be doing that. But 76 overall, 77 pass blocking, 72 run blocking. So again, very good in both. In fact, he was the highest graded run blocker, the fourth highest graded pass blocker. Number one overall, A.J. Dillon. He had a 7.5 pass blocking grade. Just just to set the tone, it was horrible. However, 80.6 rushing grade and an 83.6 receiving grade. So love to see that, especially considering he is going to be our RB1 for at least the next two weeks. On the, well, let's see. Let's, Let's break that down a little bit more. Kind of talked about it already, but run blocking grade, they were really just two Royce Newman and Billy Turner in the 70s. Um, otherwise there's a ton of 60s, but Mercedes Lewis, 59 overall, John Runyon, 52. Again, this is run blocking. Uh, Tyler Davis, 49, Josiah DeGuara, 49, Lazard, 39, and Randall Cobb, 31. Pass blocking was actually pretty solid. Elton Jenkins with his 88, basically. Lucas Patrick with an 80.3 overall. John Runyon with a 77, Royce Newman with a 77.6. Billy Turner, 71, Mercedes Lewis, 71, Josiah DeGuara, 68 um, Tyler Davis, 65, Aaron Jones, 55, and then AJ Dillon with a 7.5. Um, obviously don't love to see that, but everybody else for the most part, pretty solid. Probably doesn't come as any surprise. One of the knocks against AJ Dillon is that he only ran for 3.1 yards per attempt. I don't really want to get into the stupidity of it, but that was another thing I got into a Twitter spat with somebody about was the fact that, um, I think it was PFF actually and you got to understand, there's PFF has all of this stuff, which is just data, grades, information, whatever. It's, it's science-based. Whether it's good science or bad science is up for debate, but it's just, there's just a process that you follow and what, you know, what goes in the machine dictates what comes out of the machine and that's it. They also have a media team, which is just like every other media team where there are just a group of people and granted they use PFF data probably sometimes, although sometimes it seems like they really don't. But they're just, they're football people with football opinions and they give their opinion. Well, apparently the people at PFF were not happy with the pick of A.J. Dillon, thought it was a bad pick. And so a lot of Packer fans were kind of trashing am saying, oh, I thought it was a bad pick. And so they fire back with, wow, 3.1 yards per attempt and leave out the fact where he got two touchdowns and any of his receiving accolades in order to try to discredit his performance, which, again, is hilarious because PFF said he was the highest-graded player on the offense. But anyways, of that 3.1 yards, 2.76 yards came after contact, which is .25 yards that he ran until he hit contact. That's ridiculous. The offensive line did not grade out very well in terms of run blocking, and it's quite obvious why. Anyways, looking at the defense... um, quite a few positives. In fact, nobody, nobody in the entire defense was below a 50. There were, so we'll we'll look at 50s as being the guys that did not grade out very well, although a 50 is, you know, I guess you would just call it below average. It's not a great day, but it's not bad. Oren Burks was 15th with a 59. Kenny Clark with a 58, um, largely because of his run defense grade at a 45. We'll get to the pass rush in a minute, which was superb. Jonathan Garvin at a 58, Dean Lowry 55, and Razul Douglas was at the bottom with a 51. And again, just like I keep saying with a lot of this, and and there's no reason really to be mad, grades or not, I'm happy with what Razul Douglas has done. And I'm happy with what Kenny Clark did and everything else. I think I might have mentioned it on the podcast, but um, if you try to think of any one person and say, man, they had a bad day, I just have been struggling with that, which is shocking. That I can't pick out one person on the defense in the last couple weeks and just think that guy was trash. In my life, there's always somebody. Always. I can't think of anybody. But anyways, um, out of 19 players, 8 had a 70 or higher grade. 14 out of 19 had a 60 or higher overall grade. We'll just do the 70s, and then we'll break it down by uh, different groups. Run defense, tackling, pass rush, coverage. But at number eight, T.J. Slayton with a 72.8 overall grade. And um, I'm going to eat a little bit of crow here, although clearly this is not what he was drafted for. 49 run defense grade. T.J. frickin' Slayton, who's like 492 pounds, I think. 88.8 pass rush grade, by far the highest pass rush grade. And you'll find out in a minute when we talk about the statistics why. He had an 88.8 pass rush grade. Dominant. Pass rush. At number seven, Darnell Savage with a 74.1 overall grade. Love to see that because Savage. So I, I said this last year. Amos and Savage kind of were subpar last year until somewhere around the midway point and they kind of picked it up. Darnell Savage's grades 63, 61, 69, 63, 37, 60, 55, 59. He hasn't been terrible aside from one game. He didn't have a single 70. The last two weeks, 77, 74. This is very reminiscent of last year in 2020 where it wasn't until week 11 that he got his first 70 overall grade the next week he had a 96.3 now he fell off the next week but after that he got more consistent with just having good games this week week or this year week nine so he's getting a little bit of an early start on that but again no 70s and now he's got back to back 70 overall grades I tell you what man it's, it just it gets me excited um at number six, brings a little bit of a tear to your eye, but Whitney Merciless, 74.9 overall grade. Um, mostly his tackling grade was the highest, but a good pass rush grade, and et cetera, et cetera. Only played 17 snaps, obviously done for the year. Hate it, hate it, hate it, but it is what it is. At number five, Mr. Eric Stokes comes in at a 76.8, 77.4 overall coverage grade. Again, we'll get to the stats in a moment, but... um. Eric Stoke's kind of similar in terms of things really clicking. Um, his first two games were in the 70s, right? And then he kind of fell off, 50, 40, 50, 50. The last three weeks have been 76, 50, 77. Now, the 50's not great, but when you talk about a guy that had one, two, three, four weeks in a row where he didn't grade out very well, and now two out of his last three have been pretty solid, and again, even on bad days, the statistics are not bad, it's hard to get upset. And it's also extremely hard for me to not tell you what his statistics were because, jeez, I love this team so much, man. I love this defense. This is ridiculous. At number four, Preston Smith. You'll love to see it. 78.4 overall grade, 73.6 tackling, 74 pass rushes where he made his mark. Um, Preston, again, very similar to Stokes, started off real hot. and It was like, hey, man, Preston, I I was even calling him on Twitter. I think Preston, um, what did I say? Preston, give me my money, Smith, or whatever. Because his, his contract is almost entirely incentive-based. Well, after his 86 overall, 77 overall, he went 67, 51, 62, 48, 45, 55, and 78.4. So it was a bounce-back game. It was his highest pass rush grade ever. Again, very excited to get to the uh, statistics on this. Or his pass, his whatever, statistics. Pretty uh, Pretty stupid number for Preston. But it's just crazy because the defense has been doing so well, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, uh, Stokes is is getting better, and Darnell's getting better, and Slayton's getting better, and Preston's getting better. It's like, wait a minute. They're already pretty good. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, they, the, these guys were uh, were kind of sluggish. They, they certainly weren't at their peak, and now they're starting to peak. Like, <laughs> what? What do you mean peak? At number three, it should be no surprise, Mr. Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary has, I mean, he's spent... Most of the time, uh, near the top. If we look at his three years, his grades, you want to talk about a guy that's leaps and bounds. 2019, his grade was a 55. 2020, his grade was a 68. 2021, 81. He's had one bad game, 45 overall. Uh, Let's do it this way. Three average games, one, two, three, four games in the 70s, and two games in the 80s. 46 pressures. I think he's second or third in the NFL in pressures right now. Could be wrong about that. I guarantee he's top five. He was a good pick. I didn't like the pick when they made the pick. He was a good pick. Uh, at number two, one of the, the greatest bits of news, Kevin King with a 91.9 overall grade. In fact, I want to check and see if he's ever had one that high. 91.9. Last year, his highest grade was a 74. <laughs> so, No. 2019, he had an 84. 2018 was an 85. And then an 80.9. And, and, and I got to say, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, Kevin King's always been good. He's just hurt or, or whatever the thing. No, he is not. No, he is not. If he figures it out this year, he figured it out for the first time. I'm very sorry. In, in 2017, he had two good games. In 2018, he had one good game. In 2019, he had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six good games out of, what, 16 plus one, two, 16, so 18 games. Six out of 18, and this was his, like, tons of picks season, I think. Yeah, five interceptions. Last year, he graded out positively twice. 74 was his highest overall grade last year. As of this year, he has three good games in the last three weeks. He's only played five weeks. Basically, since he's returned from injury, the second and third time, (laughs) he played weeks one and two, and it didn't go great. He did not play weeks three or four, came back week five, got a 76 overall grade, didn't play week six, seven, or eight, played week nine, got a 79, and then this past week, his best game ever, ever. And no, it's, again, it's not because, well, it's because he got a pick. He had five interceptions in 2019. He's never had a grade anywhere near this. Three games in a row. I mean, again, at some point, I mean, even bad players have good days. Three good games in a row is, it's promising, especially when you're on a defense in which everybody seems to be, even players that you would consider to be not great are playing really well. Devondre Campbell. Um, Yeah, you start to think maybe something's different. By the way, Kevin King, over his five years on this team, his grades are as such, 51, 56, 62, 50.6, and 76 overall. So he went from three years in the 50s, one year when he had a bunch of picks, at 62 overall. Right now he's at a 76, which is to say a good cornerback. Finally, at number one overall, Adrian Amos with a 92.5 overall grade. Um, Again, I had mentioned guys getting slow starts last year. Adrian really didn't have that this year. He had kind of a down patch between weeks two and five, I guess. Nothing terrible, but 56, 65, 65, 57, pretty average. Week one was a 75 since then, though. 70, 80, 46 against Arizona, that's rough. 70 and 92. So four of his last five weeks, he's just been solid. And again, Adrian, when you look at his, his career grades, he's always just been a solid safety. His worst year ever was his rookie year. He had a 69.6 overall grade. There's nothing wrong with that. He's such a just good football player. That's why I never understood why he wasn't more highly touted. I wanted him to come to Green Bay. He was like my safety number one in free agency that I wanted. It's one of the few times I actually wanted a guy and we got him in the draft or free agency. I was very excited about Amos. Was not super excited about Preston or Zadarius or Billy Turner. Or Rashawn, not really Jair, maybe a little bit, not A.J. Dillon, not any of these guys. Amos, big fan. Anyways, breaking it down a little bit more, as far as run defense, not great. Only two guys graded up positively. Rashawn Gary was number one with almost an 80 overall grade. Chris Barnes with a 75.7. Guys that graded up poorly, we'll say 50 or below, uh, 50, well, 53. Razul Douglas, 50. Uh, 50 overall Dean Lowry. TJ Slayton, 49. Devondre Campbell, 46. Kenny Clark, 45. Tackling grade, this team is unbelievable with the tackling. Only two guys didn't grade out well. Amos with a 35, which is super rare for him. He is an unbelievably good tackler. Um, But I think it's just because he didn't have many opportunities because he only had one miss. But when you have one miss and you have three tackles, the ratio isn't great. So I think that's what that was. Henry Black, Pretty much the same thing. One miss, three tackles, 35 overall grade. Otherwise, the next lowest is Kenny Clark at a 66, but 70 or above, Eric Stokes, Darnell Savage, Kevin King, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, Whitney Merciless, Rasul Douglas, Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes, and Chandon Sullivan. All of them with very high tackling grades. Pass rush grades, Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, and TJ Slayton all graded out very, very well. Nobody graded out below a 50. Uh, Burks, Lancaster, and Garvin were in the 50s. Coverage, again, nobody below a 50. The guys that were in the 50s, Chris Barnes and Razul Douglas, 70 or higher, Devondre Campbell, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, Adrian Amos, and Kevin King with a 91.9 coverage grade. Pressures, again, the grades weren't great. The statistics are insane. 34 pressures. I don't think the Packers have had anywhere near 34 pressures in any game. In fact, let's go back and look. Last week, we had 11 (laughs) against Kansas City. Then 17. Week seven against Washington, 29. So that's kind of close. Uh, 23 against Chicago. Week five against Cincinnati, 18. Week four, 7. Week three, 23. Week two, 20. Week one, 10. So by far, only, only one game was even a little bit close, but by far, this was the most pressures that our defense has put out 34 pressures. There were three sacks two hits, and 29 hurries. There were more hurries in this game than total pressures in just about any other game. Starting from the bottom, though, Devondre Campbell, two pass rush attempts, one pressure. That's 50%. Jonathan Garvin, two out of 26, so below 10%, not good enough. Need to get that up, but still, whatever, two pressures. Whitney Merciless, three on 15 attempts, 20%, and including a sack. Dean Lowry, 3 of 34, slightly below 10%, whatever. TJ Slayton, you want to know why he had almost a 90 overall grade? He had three pressures. That's not that impressive until you realize he only rushed the passer eight times. was that, 40%? Yeah, 38%. Small sample size, but that's ridiculous. I would expect a big old nose tackle to have exactly zero pressures on eight attempts. Rashawn Gary, four pressures on 27 attempts. Four pressures doesn't sound that impressive when you're talking about Rashawn Gary, who's been massively impressive until you realize that's 15%. That's remarkable. Kenny Clark had eight pressures on 40 attempts. Just like Whitney Merciless, 20%. That's such an amazing number. However, it does get better. Preston Smith, 10 pressures, including a sack, on 42 attempts. 24% of his snaps, about a quarter of the time when he tried to get to the quarterback, he got there. He had uh, one sack and nine hurries in the game. Disruptive. Looking at what some of these corners did. Some unbelievably remarkable numbers here. Razul Douglas, who, again, had one of the lowest coverage grades. This, this This is about as bad as it gets here. It maybe gets a little bit worse, but Razul Douglas, seven targets, four receptions, 27 yards. That's it. Oh no. How about Chandon Sullivan? Six targets, three receptions, 34 yards. Oh, the horror. Um, I'm trying to find the bad ones here and skipping some of the really good ones. Henry Black. Now I'll be honest, haven't been overly impressed with Henry Black, but if this is as bad as it gets, I will take it. Five targets, four receptions, 34 yards. That is about as bad as it gets. That's the most yardage anybody gave up. Um, it's tied for the most yardage, it's tied for the most receptions, and it's one of the higher reception percentages, 4 or 5. Um, who else just had a really horrible day? Here we go. Chris Barnes, two targets, two receptions, 33 yards. On a per-reception basis, 33 yards is pretty high on two targets. It's also 100% of the time you were targeted, it was caught. That's not super great. Um, otherwise, I think the worst one is maybe Darnell Savage, two targets, one reception, 12 yards, and a pass breakup. Um, let's see, who else did I miss here? We've got Devondre Campbell, two targets, two receptions, one yard. Oh my goodness. You have uh, Kevin King, four targets, two receptions, and a pick for 10 yards. 16.7 passer rating when targeted. Four targets, two receptions, 10 yards, and a pick. Ridiculous. How about Eric Stokes? Four targets, zero receptions, and a pass breakup. Finally, Adrian Amos, 6 targets, only 2 receptions for 10 yards, an interception, and 2 pass breakups, a 2.8 passer rating when targeted. Good Lord. 2 picks, 4 pass breakups, 41.7 passer rating in this game. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Uh, Special teams shout out, Ty Summers had an 80.4 overall grade, Razul Douglas with a 70.4, so that's positive. Um, by the way, I, I, I'm pretty sure TJ Slayton is one of the higher graded special teams guys in football. But anyways, obviously Mason, 48.4 uh, grade in field goal kicking because he missed another field goal. Corey Bajorquez is about a 60, nobody cares. But three attempts, 140 yards. Net was 46.7, 50 was his longest, one inside the 20, 4.17 average hang time. And that's about it. But anyways, I'm going to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.